Uh, we're just continuing on. This is the second session of the uh, four-part series of the introduction to Buddhist meditation. Uh, to recap on some of the things which I was talking about and explaining last week, uh, this meditation is a way of uh, calming the mind inside by focusing it on the breath, by allowing the attention instead of going out into the uh, that part of our mind which is deals with business and plans and memories, but to be able to allow the mind to focus down on the present moment, to be able to stay in that which we call the here and the now. I gave a simile last week of the two suitcases which many people carry around with them throughout their lives, throughout their day never putting it down for a moment. And those suitcases packed with the business of our future and our past. And if you consider it and experience it, you will notice that uh, all of that which we call stress, much of that which occupies our mind and causes it tiredness, is very much concerned with this future and the past. And the idea of meditation is to get a rest, a respite, from this mind which continually worries about the future and dwells upon the past. And the meditation, uh, when it sees uh, the goal, sees when it needs to be done, uh, through some practice, through some uh, training, through doing it, eventually the, the attention on, of the mind settles down in uh, an inner spot, a spot which is inside of you, instead of going out into the world. A spot which is inside the moment, instead of going out into the future and the past. And when one gets into that, uh, what we call the one-pointedness, getting centered, getting inside of the here and now, then one starts to appreciate the peacefulness of meditation, the quietness of the mind, which is resting, which is not going out and about. So this was the, the goal of the meditation. The way to achieve this goal was, uh, first of all, sitting down quietly on the floor, on a chair. I mentioned last week, the posture isn't so important. It's just so that we can sit in such a way that we can leave the body alone for the period of the meditation. So we're not overly worried and concerned about feelings in the body. So we can concentrate all of our attention on the mind. And sitting down quietly, then we bring our attention into the present moment. We notice that the mind, by its nature, goes outwards to the past and the future. We've been doing this for so many years, and it's why sometimes it appears to be difficult because we're going against an ingrained habit. So we bring the attention in. And as we bring in the attention in, to help with this, we just observe the feeling of the breath as it goes in and goes out. Remember, that which you observe in this meditation on the breath is just a feeling of breathing. That which tells you whether the, the breath is going in or which tells you the breath is going out. Whatever that feeling is, however it appears, is not important. As long as you know 
where the breath is. And the other important thing which I was discussing last week is that uh, the tendency is that whatever we watch, we want to control, we interfere with. And with the meditation on the breath, the most important thing is to be able to watch the breath as, as they say, as a silent observer, just to watch without interfering, to be able to observe the breath going in as it, as it is, without trying to change it, without making it any different than it is. So we just watch the breath passively. This is important because if we try and control the breath, you will find the breath becomes uncomfortable. No matter how uncomfortable it might start with, if you try and control it, it gets even worse. So we try and just watch the breath as a disinterested observer. If the breath is uncomfortable, it tends to quieten down in this way. As it quietens down, it becomes easier to watch. And we're aiming at this particular part of the meditation just to gain a state where we can just watch each in-breath and each out-breath each in-breath and each out-breath, without too many distractions, where the mind spirals in onto the breathing until that's all it sees, just breath going in, breath going out. Now, before I go any deeper into the explanation of the meditation, I will start talking in this session about some of the problems which might arise in the meditation. Because before we get any deeper, you'll notice that you will encounter some difficulties. And uh, last week I did encourage you uh, to try and do some meditation during the week. And one of the first things a person usually finds when they embark on this meditation is that it's not as easy as it sounds. <coughs> Sorry. I, uh, I encouraged last, uh, last week, or I... Uh, described last week, that it's very easy just to watch one in-breath and out-breath. But when it gets to a whole series of in-breath and out-breath over many, many minutes, you find yourself thinking about so many different things. The mind just wanders off. And then you catch yourself thinking about something completely different, not knowing where the breath is. I'm sure that many of you have experienced the, the wandering mind. And that's one of the first things we find out in meditation, how much the mind is out of control, how it can't keep quiet. To illustrate this, that uh, I like to tell a story at this particular juncture. It's a story of uh, a young man who went to join a monastery. It was a very strict monastery where you weren't allowed to speak at all, except for once every seven years you're allowed to say one sentence to the abbot. The idea was that once every seven years you're supposed to give some indication to the senior monk how far you'd advanced in your practice of meditation. This young man was a very diligent young monk. He did everything which was expected of him and he appeared, at least on the outside, to be doing very well. And when it came to six years 11 months and 30 days of his monastic life and the next day was a big day. He stayed up all night practicing something profound that he would say to his superior the following morning. 
It may have been because of his uh, staying up all night, or it may have been just because of excitement. When he actually went into the abbot's room, he forgot everything which he planned, and what he said was, the food here is terrible. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was only allowed one sentence, so that was it. He had to wait another seven years <laughs> before he could say something again. And he'd been in this monastery 13 years, 11 months and 30 days. And of course, he was much wiser than the last time. He had a good night's sleep. And he had something very profound he'd like to say to the abbot. But again, when he walked into that room, something took hold of him. And instead of saying something profound, he said, the beds are too hard here. The abbot said, okay, very well, see you again in another seven years. After 21 years as a monk, he went into the abbot's room for the third time to say the only the third sentence he'd spoken in 21 years. This time, he was not nervous at all. This time, he said exactly what he meant to say. He said, I can't stand this place anymore, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and the abbot said, it's a very good job, you've done nothing but complain ever since you came here. <laughs> now, I told that story because it has a very good meaning to it. Uh, on the surface it's funny, but the abbot was absolutely correct. Because uh, one doesn't just complain with words. All the time that monk was in that monastery, he was thinking, the beds are too hard. He was saying to himself, the food here is terrible. And that's why when it actually came out to speak, came time to speak, that's what came out. And so sometimes when we talk about silence, it's not so much the silence of not speaking, but the silence of not thinking. We think too much inside. And sometimes, even though we might not say it, we've been complaining all day. Now this is one of the biggest problems in the meditation, to quieten this inner speech, this inner complaining. And that's why the monk couldn't stay in that monastery. That's why the beds were too hard. Because that inner thought wasn't stopped. This is uh, one of the biggest problems in meditation, to stop that inner commentary. Now last week I did give you an indication of what this problem is by giving that simile of watching the television. I gave the simile of watching, say, say a tennis match where there are two contests going on there. What you see on the screen and what you hear from the loudspeaker. They're two separate things. If you can notice the difference in your, your mind between what you experience of the world and what you think you experience, then you've got an idea of the difference between the reality and the interpretation. Now a lot of us spend too much time and give all the emphasis to the interpretation of the world. So that the commentary which is coming out of the loudspeaker are not spending enough time with the reality of the experience. And that is why that the thinking part of the mind uh, sometimes takes, us, takes over 
and we give all the attention to the thinking mind, which can very easily turn into complaining, seeing faults in things. Now with the meditation, if we're going to be successful, we have to also notice the experiencing mind. Now that experiencing mind always occurs, but usually with many people it occurs and then immediately after the experience comes the commentary. And that commentary usually takes up more space in the mind than the experience itself. So much so that we take the commentary for reality and we miss the experience. First of all, I ask you to know the difference between experience and commentary. I can give you a few little uh, exercises for this. Uh, where are your fingers now? Don't look at them, feel them. What does that feel like? The feeling in your fingers. It's hard to explain that with a commentary because much which is feeling defies words. You cannot say it's good or bad, it's painful or it's, un it's uh, joyful. It's somewhere in between these things. Now I just ask you to notice that feeling without saying anything at all in your mind. The feeling in your fingers, wherever they are now. That's experience. Once you understand about experience, you can go outside and you can feel the wind in your face without thinking about it. You can go and watch the stars at night without figuring out their names or the positions. You can watch nature without, without losing its meaning by thinking too much about it. And this is where the mind starts to become quiet when you spend more time experiencing the world and less time thinking about it. This is especially important with the meditation we're going to be doing, especially with the meditation on the breath. If you spend all the time thinking about the breath, you actually you are not watching it, you're not experiencing it, and the mind will never get quiet. I'll give you another simile which might make the point quite clear. Meditation is a way of resting the mind. Another way of resting will be to go in your home, sit out in the garden, and just rest, and take it easy, take five. Many people have gardens in their home, but very few people know how to rest in their gardens. For many people, a garden is a place of work, to do things. So, we say, when you next go into your garden, don't go and you know, go there to water the garden or to prune the flowers or to fertilize the, the uh, flower beds or to prune the bushes. Just go there and rest. Don't take a, a book out there. Don't take a newspaper. Just go and rest. Enjoy your garden. So a person takes this advice and they take out a chair on a nice afternoon. They sit in their garden. And what do they do? They think about mowing the lawn. They start to worry about the gardens and the garden needs pruning, something needs fertilizing. Now this is again getting lost in the commentary. The only way that you can enjoy a garden, because you'll notice that something always needs to be done in the garden, it's never perfect. The only way that you can rest is to be able to say, even though the lawn needs mowing, even though the flower beds need fertilizing, 
even though something needs pruning, something needs watering. Not now. Now is the time to appreciate all of the, the labours you've given to that garden. Now is the time just to enjoy the garden without working, without planning, without criticising, just to take that garden as it is. I say this because so often what we experience in our inner garden, in our mind, is not perfect. There's always something missing, there's always something to be done. If you try and change that first of all, before you really rest, you'll find you'll never get any peace at all. You'll always be working. So when we are watching, say, the breath in our meditation, even though it's not perfect, even though the body may be aching, even though the mind not, may not be as still as you want it to be, even though there's many things which need to be done, not now. Now is the time to rest. Now is the time to experience this mind as it is. Once you have this attitude of just experiencing and not criticizing, being rather than not rather than thinking, you have a great clue into how to meditate. Traditionally we start to talk about things like hindrances to meditation. And one of the, f the first two hindrances uh, are called like desire and aversion. Desire and aversion is just sitting in this garden and desire is saying, I want to do this, I want to do that. Aversion is saying, this is not good enough. It's all about a lack of contentment with what you're experiencing. And this lack of contentment with what you're experiencing is that which fuels the mind to go off. It cranks the mind into activity to change what you're experiencing. It's all born of this thinking mind rather than the experiencing mind. If you wish to gain this peace in meditation, notice that these hindrances, the desire and aversion, take you away from peacefulness and contentment. And the only way that you can overcome these things is to say, even though it's not perfect, it's good enough. Even though there's something to be done, not now. This is time to rest. This is time just to experience, rather than to change, rather than to do. This is not the time for business, it's the time for rest. And it's very important to notice that these two hindrances of desire and aversion take you away. Desire is like something out there which pulls you towards it, pulls you away from here and now. For example, uh, imagine just a really nice meal. Maybe you're going out this evening. Can you picture that really nice meal in front of you now with all the trimmings? As soon as you start to think of a meal, something delightful, it just pulls you away from here and now. And you're not experiencing what you're sitting, what, what you're with now. Like desire is what pulls you away from the present moment. And aversion is what pushes you away from now. Both these two things are pulling and pushing you away from here, away from now, away from stillness. It's not to say that you should give up all desire and aversion. It's to say that during the meditation period, give these things up. It's not a time for doing these things during meditation. During meditation, you can say to yourself, no desire, 
no aversion. I'm just going to be with what is, rather than always try to change it. Trying to change things leads to restlessness, leads to busyness, and it becomes no peace in the mind. So we develop, instead of desire or aversion, this place in between which is called contentment. Contentment with what we're experiencing right now. If you can develop this contentment with what you're experiencing right now, you'll find the words disappear and you are actually experiencing the present moment rather than thinking about it. I'll give another little simile now which shows that much of this thing we call desire and aversion is actually not seeing things fully. The, the uh, little story I like to give is the story of uh, my big wall at our monastery in Serpentine. Because when we first moved to our monastery in a, the town of Serpentine, about 60 kilometers from here, we were very poor. We had a great debt for the, the, just the block of land, and so the monks had to just sleep under the trees with the kangaroos. We had no places to stay. We had to learn how to, to build, because we couldn't afford builders. So I had to learn how to, to mix concrete, how to lay bricks, how to put on a roof, how to do plumbing, the whole works. Laying bricks was not easy. You'd lay a few bricks and you'd stand, stand back and inspect them and they'd be all over the place. You'd have to take them out and start over again. Scrape off the mortar and begin once more. But after a while you got the hang of it. Then you'd you know, lay quite a lot of bricks. Then you'd stand back. But this time the mortar was dry. And when you saw the two bad bricks you realized that you couldn't take them out anymore. They were stuck there. And I was very embarrassed when I saw the two bad bricks in my wall. We had a few visitors coming, I'd take them somewhere else. Not only because of embarrassment, because we were hoping they might make a donation. <laughs> they saw my bad wall. <laughs> but after a while, somebody came and saw that wall with its two bad bricks, and they said, what a beautiful wall that was. I said, come off it, are you blind? And they said, no. Can't you see those two bad bricks? They said, yes, but we can also see the 998 other good bricks. And for me, every time I went past that brick wall, all I ever saw was two bad bricks. My eyes went to those bricks straight away, and I never saw any other brick in that wall. And that was a very good teaching for me to understand that very often that which I feel aversion towards, that which I'm not content with, it's not actually seeing the full story. All I go to is the faults, the two bad bricks. When someone points out all the other bricks in that wall, ah, it's not such a bad wall after all. And that wall there is still in the monastery. And I haven't uh, blown it up or taken it down with a bulldozer. And it's quite a nice wall. I've been con come to be content with it. Contentment is understanding that in every war, in every person, in every moment, there'll be a couple of bad bricks. There's also some very, very good bricks as well. When you see them all, you can live with it at peace. So whatever you're experiencing now, be careful that you don't get lost in this fault-finding mind, which only sees the two bad bricks. If you look deeper, you'll find in this moment, there are other bricks there as well and you can be at peace with the moment. 
You don't need to have this desire and aversion which keeps you busy all the time, changing things, trying to be a perfectionist. Just let go of being a perfectionist. Let go of breathing the perfect breath, just experiencing this breath now as it is, without trying to change it. This is the way of getting rid of the first of what we call the two hindrances of desire and aversion. Learning contentment. The third and the fourth hindrances are called uh, too much energy and too little energy. With one's meditation, it's not something one just sits back and just allows the mind to go in its normal way. If you do so, you'll often fall asleep. I once taught some meditation in uh, the jail at Canning Vale, which was a high security jail, and so we needed one of the, the warders, one of the guards in constant attendance. Uh, when I was teaching the meditation, uh, the warder fell asleep. <laughs> it was a difficult situation for me there, I could have got in big trouble. But it shows you that sometimes that you have to be careful because when you, you let go of this desire and aversion, sometimes you can go too deeply into peacefulness and fall asleep. I tell people who have this problem, who fall asleep when they meditate, say it's, it's, it's half, half good, but not completely right. You're getting peaceful, but you're not there to enjoy it when it happens. <laughs> so be peaceful but also be awake. To become awake when you're peaceful just means that extra bit of energy, that extra bit of alertness, that extra bit of what we call mindfulness, to be fully aware, rather than to take these moments for granted. It just needs like straightening the back a bit, looking a bit clearer, looking a bit deeper. Sometimes people think that meditation can be boring. What are you doing? Just watching the breath one after the other. At first it can be boring, as boring as have you ever learned how to play a piano or learn a guitar when you're first learning these things, it's just so boring, all you have to do is go up and down on these terrible scales, you can't really play anything interesting. You have to go through this until you get this ability to really play beautifully, to be a, a, ma a maestro of your instrument. The instrument you're playing now is your mind. You can either make terrible noises with this mind and it comes out both from the mouth and from your body or you can learn how to be a maestro with this mind. It takes a, long, a lot of training at first and sometimes it can appear boring at first but just carry on with it. And when you gain peace of mind, when you gain the great joys and blisses inside meditation, you realize this isn't boring stuff at all, this is one of the most interesting exercises that you can do, are one of the most joyful experiences you can have in deep meditation. That boring is just not putting enough energy into what you're doing, not noticing the great beauty of meditation. And I'll deal with this later on in a uh, future talk about some of the insights which can arise in meditation, some of the great wisdom experiences which come up, which shows enormous beauty where you'd never expect it. So just put a little bit of interest in the meditation. One of the ways of developing a bit of interest is to look for what I call the beautiful breath. As you're meditating, 
If you follow the meditation procedure properly and you're successful in watching the breath one after the other, you'll notice the breath starting to quieten down. As it quietens down, it gets very soft. As it gets soft, it gets to be the beautiful breath. A breath which is so subtle and light and attractive that you can watch it without any effort in great happiness and contentment and joy. And that beautiful breath, once it arises, is very easy to follow because you don't want to go anywhere else. You don't want to think about anything else. You don't want anything else in the world. You're completely content with a beautiful breath. Just one breath going in and one breath going out. You're fully content. That is great peace and that is great happiness. So, a little bit more effort, a little bit of more mindfulness, turning up the lights in the mind and this beautiful breath will appear to you. The next of these hindrances is like too much energy. And for many people, we are, we usually um, err on the side of too much energy. We can't stop thinking. In fact, we're sort of compulsive thinkers. And it's very difficult for us to, to, to stop this thinking mind. I've given one way of stopping this thinking mind is just by going to the experience and not the thoughts. Another way which I can give you to stop the thinking mind is to notice the space between thoughts. Think a thought and watch what happens when that thought ends. There's a gap between thoughts. Just as there are gaps between words. But a lot of the time we don't notice the gaps. We just notice the things. In the same way, we come in this room here, and what do we notice in this room? We notice the walls, the ceiling, the floor, and the people and the objects in this room. We don't notice the space between these objects that which surrounds the people, that which is enclosed by the room. That which is enclosed by the room, the space, the gap between the people here, is very hard for us to talk about. It's space, it's emptiness. But that exists in this room as well. If you pay attention to the gaps between thoughts, the gaps between these objects which populate our mind, it's the same as noticing the space between the objects in this room. We go to silence very quickly. We don't go to a restless mind, we go to a peaceful mind. The more things there are in your mind, the more things there are to think about. When there's nothing in the mind, what you've got to think about. So this other way of stopping this thinking mind, this restless mind, is to notice the gaps between the thoughts. Once you start to notice the gaps, the spaces between the thoughts, strange things ha happen the gap between the thoughts starts to get longer and longer. What you notice grows. If you notice thoughts, thoughts grow. If you notice space, space grows. If you notice the gaps between these thoughts, you'll experience greater degrees of quietness in the mind. That's one way of overcoming this restlessness in the mind. Another way of overcoming this restlessness is again to pay more 
attention to the present moment. Because much of this restlessness goes into the future and the past. Now one way of, of gaining a bit more competence to stay in the present moment is to understand this simile of a Chinese proverb of the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step and finishes with one step and all along the journey all there ever was was one step the step you're walking now it's a lovely simile because if you think of a thousand mile journey you will never even start it it's too far for you to walk it's much better to get a buzz <laughs> but the thousand mile journey can be accomplished very easily if you just concern yourself with one step the step you're walking now you begin with one step all along the journey all you're concerned with is the step you're walking now and one day that step you're walking now becomes the last step and the journey is finished and to you the whole journey has just been one step long with the breath a meditation may be a thousand breaths long the restlessness of the mind will start to think how many minutes are left how many minutes have, have gone we start to think of other things except this one step which you're walking now this breath which you're breathing now if you know the secret of the journey of a thousand miles and how to complete it by just putting your mind on the step you're walking now you'll find that much of the restlessness in the mind disappears all you need to do in this meditation is just watch one breath last week I showed you you could do that very easily if you know the journey of a thousand miles and how to walk it the whole meditation is just one breath long and it becomes easy to watch in fact it's just an attitude of mind which enables one to stop being so restless put all your attention on what you're doing now instead of what you're doing next or what you've done or what someone else is doing what you're doing now stops restlessness the last uh, hindrance which comes up in the meditation is doubt am I doing it right, am I doing it wrong is this what we're supposed to be doing what's the purpose of all this again if you're doing the journey of a thousand miles stop all of that you know how to walk you know how to breathe all you need to do is just to watch if you're aware of the breath as it's happening now you're doing it right you don't need to doubt at all whether this meditation is going to work or not however much of this doubt is born of impatience we want results straight away now we want to become enlightened this evening because we've got lots of other things to do later on this weekend so be patient with this meditation it works just give it time and put all the attention on what you're doing now so these are like five of the obstacles which can come up which stop you uh, achieving success in meditation and these are the ways to overcome it again just to sum up before we do some meditation this afternoon the first of these obstacles or the first two are desire and aversion it shows a lack of contentment in the mind 
and that lack of contentment can often come up in this complaining mind, realize that no matter what it is, it's always like a brick wall with two bad bricks and 998 good bricks. Leave it alone. Even though the garden is something wrong with it, you don't need to mess around with it now. Leave it alone and just experience this moment rather than trying to think it up, think about it. The uh, tiredness, the uh, sleepiness in the mind, uh, again, one just needs to look a bit more clearly at what's ex- what you're experiencing. It's a good state, it's a peaceful state, but be there to enjoy it. And you'll find that peacefulness, when you're very mindful and aware of it, is a beautiful state to abide in. Restlessness, maybe spend a bit more time just watching the space between these thoughts. Or maybe just remember that journey of a thousand miles, just one step at a time. Put all your attention and just watching one breath. That's all you need to do. One breath at a time. And then the whole journey of meditation completes itself very peacefully and successfully. And doubt, you know how to meditate. All you need to do is watch a breath to experience it. However it appears to you is fine. Leave it alone and the things will happen by itself. So this is the way of meditation. This is some of the problems you'll encounter. Uh, if there's, I, sh- I didn't uh, miss out one important point, if there's any problem with the body, any aches and pains, if you're meditating a long time, it's called restlessness of the body. The way to deal with restlessness of the body is to ignore it. The body is always, it's like a child always wanting your attention. Even when it's comfortable, it'll always be itchy, it'll always want to be moved here, moved there. I compare that restlessness of the body to like a body with, with lots of people living in it, always phoning you up. So if you sit down, like and the ear rings you and says, I'm itchy, please scratch me. Or it's the knee, if it's aching, please move me. You know what it's like if you answer the phone, you get into this long conversation and you waste a lot of time. The way to get out of this problem is never answer the phone. It might keep ringing for a while, but then people think you're not in, and they stop. If you don't answer the phone from these different parts of your body, then after a while the body will stop ringing, and you'll be at peace. This is actually what happens. If you don't pay attention to these small aches and pains, these small telephone calls from different parts of your body, they disappear. They stop calling you. And this is when like, the body disappears. When the body disappears, it hasn't like gone away, it's just, it takes its phone off the hook as well, it stops calling you. And you don't feel any aches and pains in the body, no itches, no heat, no cold. And you put all your attention on the breath. So if the body starts to ring you up, don't pick up the receiver. If you do, then someone else will ring you up, for sure. If it's not the ear, it's the... You know, it's the under the elbow somewhere, or the back, or the bottom is, is sore. There's always something comes. So be careful of restlessness in the body, and overcome it by not answering the phone. So, before we actually begin with the meditation today for ten minutes, are there any questions you'd like to ask about some of the difficulties of meditation? Maybe after the meditation, when you've experienced some of those difficulties, <laughs> you might ask for a question. So if you'd like just to get yourself comfortable, if you have been sitting down and you're a bit sore, then get up and just uh, 
stretch your legs or something, and then in uh, say half a minute you can actually sit down. Okay, so you can get yourself comfortable again now. best not to lie down because then you will actually fall asleep and actually your snoring will probably affect a lot of people around you. Okay. And then <coughs> close the eyes. And then with the eyes closed Bring your attention into the present moment with your body. How are you sitting now? And can you make this physical posture a little bit more comfortable so there's less chance you get telephone calls throughout the meditation? And once the, the body is comfortable, this is the time now to take the telephone off the hook. So you're not going to receive any telephone calls from any parts of the body. As you're sitting now, so it shall remain. Now make this resolution that this is your meditation time. You've worked in your garden. It may not be perfect, but it's good enough. Now is the time to rest the mind not to plan, not to criticize. It's meditation time. And as you are experiencing your mind inside now, can you also experience again what I mean by the experience and the commentary? See if you can pay more attention to the experience of now without trying to name it, to talk about it, or to judge it. If you have difficulty bringing the mind to pure experience, again just watch an aspect of feeling what are the feelings in your face right now? The tingling or the heat, the cold, without naming them, just experience them. Sometimes you can't put a name to these things, which is marvelous. It gives you an opportunity to just experience. Experience of the feelings in your face as they happen right now. Always changing, 
when you have got a lot of your attention on pure experience, then start to experience the breath. Just one breath at a time. Not forcing the breath. Just experiencing it without interfering. As if the breath were out there and you were in here, separating the observer from the observed. journey of a thousand breaths is just one breath long. Put all your attention on the breath happening now. no future, just now. Not desiring this moment to be anything other than it is. There may be two bad bricks in this moment, but there's a lot of good bricks here as well. Just let go and notice contentment in the moment. If you're feeling fuzzy, just a little bit more energy inside. Just notice more of the breath. Not just in and out, but the very beginning to the end of each breath. See if you can notice a beautiful breath. The breath of peace. mind is too active, it's 
go more towards the experience rather than the commentary. Notice the gaps between thoughts where pure experience lives. Dwelling in the moment, just now, now, now. Remember its desire or aversion take you out from now. Learn contentment and the mind stays present.
getting close to the end of the meditation now. How do you feel? as an experience without putting it into words. You should know that peace of mind is an experience, not a thought. going to ring the gong shortly. When the gong is rung, don't end the meditation, just open the eyes and carry on meditating for a few more moments. Open the eyes. Don't move yet. And how do you feel? So you know the result of the meditation. You know how it feels in mind and body. And then when you are ready, come out of the meditation and start to move again. few moments in the meditation I'd like you to, to encourage you to do because a lot of time when we meditate we're, we're doing work in a sense we're aiming the mind towards peacefulness and sometimes when we get there we fail to we could fail to spend a few minutes experiencing the fruit of our meditation we're just sitting there without trying to make the mind any more peaceful or quiet, just experiencing the results of what we've been doing. And if one can experience the results of all that you've done in a meditation, you should notice that the mind is much quieter than when it began. And the body is more relaxed than when it started. And then you notice this meditation actually is working. Even though that you may consider yourself a novice, even at the early stages, it brings results, let alone as one gains more skill in making the mind quiet. So, are there any questions anyone would like to ask about some of the problems and difficulties you experience in meditation? Yes? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're saying that sometimes that uh, if the body uh, creates problems. Sometimes it's about to get peaceful and you feel you're falling asleep and then the body wants to do something to wake itself up. 
uh, with this meditation, try and just forget about the body completely, just ignore it, leave it alone. You've done so much for your body. You know, you feed it, you wash it, you evacuate it, you do all sorts of things making this body uh, comfortable. Uh, but sometimes the only way you can really make it comfortable is just to leave it alone. It's just like parents with children. When you tie them up in bed at night, you, you may read them a story and you just tiptoe out the room and what do they do? Mum, mum, I want a glass of water. Mum, mum, read me another story. And if you keep giving them extra glasses of water or if you keep reading them stories, they never go to sleep. There comes a time when you just say, enough. And they might shout, mum, mum, please read me a story. I want a glass of water. Somebody's, uh, and my brother's hitting me. You just leave them alone. <laughs> then they go asleep. They're just calling for attention. There's one meditator once. She had two young children. And she was trying to find her time to meditate during the day. And she would sit down and start watching her breath. Then her children would start calling, Mum, Mum, I want a glass of water. She would do nothing. She'd just keep just watching her breath. And then they, they start getting serious. Mum, Mum, John has got a knife out of the, the kitchen. Sarah's turned on the gas. But she would do nothing. She just sat there. And when that bluff didn't work, they started calling all over her, pulling her long hair. She didn't move. And after they did that, they left her alone. Now every time she meditates, they just sit down quietly. They don't get the knives out of the kitchen cupboard, and they don't turn on the gas. <laughs> they just wanted attention, that's all. And now she's won her meditation time. She can sit there and the children just amuse themselves. Sometimes they just come and sit next to her. This is what you have to do to your body as well. Sometimes it is just restlessness of the body, just the body wants some attention. Leave it alone and it goes away. However, sometimes if you sit for longer periods of time, there may be some physical problems, actually you no know, real problems are there. Uh, quite often because you didn't start sitting properly in the first place. But if you sit in a very good position, there should be very little pain. Uh, so if you do feel um, some aches or pains in the body, I'd like to encourage the following procedure. First of all, whenever like an ache or a pain or an itch comes up which says, like, scratch me or move me, just go straight back to the breath. Ignore it. If it arises again, ignore it a second time. If it arises a third time, scratch me. Ignore it a third time. If it happens a fourth time, then very mindfully just watch that experience. What is this itching anyway? What does it feel like? Without trying to get rid of it, just experience what it's like to itch. Very few people know what itching really is like because as soon as it happens they scratch it and it goes away. So we just investigate it without moving. And while we're investigating it, whether it's an itch or a pain, as soon as it says, do something to me, I can't stand it any longer, just carry on investigating. If this, you know, get rid of me, arises a second time, again, ignore it. A third time, ignore it. And if a fourth time you really can't stand it any longer, then very quietly move. Or very softly just move your hand up and scratch lightly. By doing this method, the first three times the distraction comes up, you just go back to the breath. A lot of the times the distraction doesn't arise anymore. It just disappears by itself. 
you're testing it out to see whether it's a serious distraction or not. If it is a serious distraction, then the next thing you do is go towards it. The fourth time it arises, and you investigate it. What is an itch? What is pain? What is discomfort? What you're doing there is building up a little bit of endurance, a little bit of understanding about what pain is, what itch is, and what discomfort is. A lot of times it just goes away, then you can go back to the, the main meditation object, the breath. However, if you really can't stand it, after four times the, the thought comes up, I can't stand it, I've got to do something about it, then you can do something about it. And that builds up some patience, it builds up some tolerance, it builds understanding. But it doesn't go so far that you're in dangerous pain and you just ignore it completely. So that's a very good way of just gently just dealing with these physical distractions. So try that little method. When you get a feeling in the body which takes you away from the breath, just first three times ignore it and go back to the breath. doesn't matter what it is. If it persists, then go to that feeling. Then investigate it and see what it's like. Right, some time ago, during the summertime, I was given this instruction and as soon as I gave this instruction about how to deal with feelings, we started to meditate and straight away, like a fly, landed on my mouth just start to test me. And so I went back to the breath three times, but the feeling of a fly crawling around your mouth was quite sort of disturbing. And so then you started to investigate it. You started to feel it. No, actually, just the edges of your mouth are much more sensitive to the middle. You did about three or four laps. <laughs> Very slowly. <laughs> and you just watched it. So it went round and round. And then when it had enough, it sort of went off. So it's an interesting just thing which you can do to actually understand just these... It wasn't really unpleasant, it was just, uh, just a feeling. You can actually be at peace with some of these feelings. But you can do this with like a little fly, which doesn't really hurt. Then maybe you can be at peace when you have physical pain, or a sickness, or an injury, which sometimes we do have to deal with in life. So this is a way to be at peace with distractions and disturbances. Now does that make sense of your question or did you want to come back with a comment? Okay. Has anyone else got a question about did some yes? Yeah. Again, it's someone who's had like an operation, had some, or, or had some sort of trauma, some difficulty in the body. Okay. A lot of times, look, when the, you meditate, what you're doing is that the mind is getting out of the way, and the body is looking after itself. And sometimes, that because the mind is always in control, it actually stops the body healing itself. And if you can just let the let the the body do what the body has to do. The body is balancing itself. Quite likely it is, yes. As long as you're not ordering it. Yeah, it's just happening naturally. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
Yes, you're saying that sometimes that when you're sitting, this is for the uh, the tape, because sometimes when we're recording any of these talks, you can hear my answer, but you can't hear the question. It becomes very frustrating. What's he answering? What was the question? So I'm just repeating the question for the tape machine. You're asking in brief that uh, sometimes that when you're sitting, you you feel these like uh, movements in your body, as if someone's massaging your stomach sometimes. Or exactly what is it, and what should you be doing? If there is some sort of physical um, uh, problem in the body uh, because of some, I say, operation or accident or some sickness. If the mind can get out of the way, you know, this is the controlling you. you. Always wants it this way and that way, and just leave it alone. A lot of the time, the body just balances itself, and it does what the body needs to to do. Uh, the important thing is that you just don't do anything. You just sit back as like the disinterested observer and just watch all these things which are going on. And you find that things balance themselves and things get cool and soft. And you know, there may still be movement in there, and sometimes it may be a little bit painful at first, but it should start to relax and get very, very peaceful. Because a lot of the time is that whenever there's a pain, we tend to tense up around it and we sort of make more problem about that pain than was there in the first place. And if you just leave it alone, the whole thing starts to relax and open out. So that will happen if there are any tensions in the body. Meditation will relax those tensions. As if you know, you've got like a, a cut on the finger, say. And so you put like a, a plaster around it. You clean it up, you put a plaster around it. It will heal itself up if you leave it alone. If you keep on sort of every five minutes looking, how's it going? And then how's it going? And scratching it to make it heal quicker. Then of course it doesn't. You just leave it alone. And the body knows how to, to heal itself. So just leave it alone and see what happens. If the body's doing it itself, then it becomes quite interesting. You're just watching this body do all these interesting things. And it's not yours. It's just an amazing experience. You just as if it's watching somebody else's body. So has anyone else got any questions out to us? Oh, yes, quite a few. Yes. Yeah. Usually, it's the opposite of being strengthened. It's usually uh, because a lot of these desires for perfection is like not really wise. You know, it's, actually, it is. Life is really pretty good. You know, the walls are in your life are pretty good, but you always want it to be more than it is. And quite often, it's like the imperfections in life make it beautiful. The uh, the clouds and the sky at night and the evening make the beautiful sunsets. If it's a perfectly clear sky, you don't get nice sunsets. It's uh, the imperfections in the forest, the gnarled trees, make it an interesting and beautiful forest. If the land was all flat and the trees were planted in lines and rows, it wouldn't be beautiful at all. So a lot of the times it's the imperfections which we can really appreciate as part of life and part of beauty. And so usually what happens when we understand about this meditation start becoming peaceful, then we can gain more contentment in life. More contentment with some of the pains in the body, more contentment with the partner we have in life, 
more content with our job, with our role in life, we don't get so fault-finding. So when your mind is peaceful, you find you don't see so many faults in life. And you can be more at peace with life when you can be more at peace with yourself. You might try and spend your whole time trying to make your garden perfect. You make your garden perfect. It reminds me of like a, a Japanese Zen story. About you know these Japanese gardens which you may have seen in, in movies or in the documentaries. There's one monk who's very famous for his garden. Every morning he would go into that garden, it was a big tree. I forget what tree it was, a plum tree or something. And he would collect all the old leaves which had fallen the night before. Like hundreds of them. And he would put them in two baskets. In one basket he would put all the beautiful leaves. And then in the other basket he would put all the rubbish leaves. The rubbish leaves he would throw away behind the temple. And the beautiful leaves he would spend hours putting in the right place on the lawn around the tree. Just one by one. And sometimes he would look back and he would change them, but they were not perfect, just the right colour in the right place. And after working like this all morning, he'd open his garden up for inspection for others. And he had such a, such a touch that his garden was so beautiful that people came from, from great distances to admire his garden. And one day, a great wise meditating monk came there and watched him all morning, taking all the leaves, uh, figuring out which was a beautiful leaf and which was the not-so-beautiful leaf, throwing the ugly leaves away, and then one by one placing all these leaves just in the right sp spot. And when the monk was finished, the, the one doing the leaves, this old monk, the meditation monk, said, that's really amazing, only there's one thing wrong with your garden. And when he said that, the monk who had this beautiful garden was taken aback. What do you mean, one thing wrong? <laughs> He was a perfectionist. Well, I can tell you if you really want me to. Please tell me what's wrong with my, my garden. And then the, the meditation monk got hold of the tree and shook it and shook it and shook it and shook it. And shook it. And there were all these leaves fall all over the place. And then the meditation monk, there, now it's perfect. Do you get the, the idea of that story? Because like perfection, the idea of perfection is not real. Real perfection is just with nature. So once you understand how to meditate, you find you're more at peace with the world and more at peace with natural gardens rather than these fake gardens. So there's another question over there, yes? Approximately how long do you meditate for? So today. It was about 15 minutes today. Sometimes uh, if you get peaceful, the time just flies past and you don't notice how much time has gone. If the meditation is working, you're staying in the moment, a thousand mile journey is just so short. Well, I think uh, because some people are, are leaving now and have to go, I think we can call an end to uh, the meditation session this afternoon. Uh, if you have any questions to ask, you can come up and ask them afterwards. Or if you wish to have a cup of tea in the reception room, there's uh, tea available there. Or if you wish to visit our library, you are welcome to do so. But thank you for coming. And next week we'll be continuing at the same time with the third in the instalment of the Introduction to Meditation. So thank you for coming today.